Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined this week by... Don Pizzette. Here in the studio, I should mention we're back in the studio. Yep, yeah, back from my travels overseas and uh, glad to be back in the land of normal power plugs mm -hmm. and <laughs> uh, ice in your drink. Yeah, they, have what? Those. they don't have ice in your drink? <laughs> they do, it's just unusual. Why it's, is that? I don't know. Have they think, had ice in their drink? Before? I think the queen had a bad experience with ice once, and so it's... And a little, like you order a soda, it's, it's a, it's I mean, a wee little bottle. the Titanic, right? Like, yeah. I don't believe... Yeah. She's extremely no, I think that's how it went. <laughs> she built it, right? Yeah. yeah. I've, I just saw the movie. I don't remember seeing her, but you might be right. And that, of course, is Daniel Lowry, our historian. <laughs> yeah. That's what I am. <laughs> don't listen Daniel? to me, ladies and gentlemen. No. no, listen. It's entertaining. I mean, and be entertained by it, but don't take it as fact. <laughs> it is not the gospel of Paul. That is for sure. Yeah, but... Uh, <clears throat> You are an expert when it comes to some of the topics we're going to talk about I know today. A thing or two about yeah. a thing or two. We're going to find out. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in. We've got our first article. Is that a new laptop? Did you get a new laptop? Uh, no, old laptop. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I got a new skin on my laptop. I was going to say. Uh, okay. Which looked a lot darker on the website, but is very shiny in real life. So I don't know if I'll be able to keep it. I might get in trouble from the producers. Mm, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, send in your hate mail uh, to Dom. All right, this one is from Tom'sHardware.com. Uh, Core i9-13900K outperform Core i9-12900K by 5% in early gaming benchmarks. Uh, and so the, I guess the, the million-dollar question is, is, is that good? I was going to say, what's a game? <laughs> what's, so, what's the game? <laughs> when you were saying that, I couldn't, I just couldn't help but think about Transylvania. Was it 65,000? Do you remember oh, the oh movie? Oh, yeah, 65,000. Yeah, yeah, so... That, that's Intel's naming or numbering structure. 6500, uh, I guess. Right. So the, the Pennsylvania the, 6500? Yeah. Is that what I thought it was? 5000. No, 5000. Uh, yeah. uh, what do I know? So, uh, <laughs> so the reason I threw this article in was uh, as a, a kind of reaction to something that we did last week. So last week we were talking about Apple, or might have been a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Apple's new M2 processors. Right. And in the, in the performance benchmarks, it was a 20% improvement. And so I made the comment at the time I said, that's not enough to upgrade over. Like yeah. if you've got an M1, 20% performance is not enough to pay money to upgrade unless you've got some like really edge case scenario where you need that. Uh, and so I, I, I got an email from one of our, our listeners or viewers or whatever they do. Uh, and Check your email. I do. And, <laughs> There's your uh, first mistake. And they, it, was, it was right in between the Nigerian prince and uh, some insurance. See, I, make sure to, my shock I was, read all those. My shock was we had viewers. <laughs> but yeah, okay. You check your email. Great. But they, they asked me, they said, you know, what would, you know, what is a, a, a reason to upgrade? What about like in Intel when they do new generation processors. And so Intel's on their 13th generation processor, right? So you said the 13900K, so 13th gen 900K. K just means it's one that's unlocked. You can overclock it, right? So ah. that's just a, a feature. So you can kind of ignore the K. But um, if you have a 12th gen processor, does it make sense to upgrade to a 13th gen? And the short answer to that is no, it doesn't. And so uh, one, it was a YouTube channel or somebody put out some performance benchmarks this week that was showing the difference. Bill Bill TechTuber. All right. Bill Bill. Must be Canadian. You know, Canadians always Australian. get uh, two Bill. names. Yeah. 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 That sounds Australian. Ah, oh, that's a Bill Bill. Well, you know, it is Billy Billy 
actually. So maybe that is Australian. Oh, it is. I just yeah. my eyes checked. That I looked like an L. If it was like Billy, Billy, Billy. Steve Dave, then it would be Canadian. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but anyhow, so sorry. Showed a uh, yeah. We'll, we'll cover that one tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so the, uh, the the performance improvement here is five percent. Right, 5% going from one generation to another, which is absolutely not a reason to upgrade. In fact, that tells you right there, like you can skip two, three, four generations. I was telling Peter before the show, like on my computer at home, I have a ninth generation i9. And so, you know, I'm several generations behind, but I still am not really being pushed to upgrade because the performance improvement isn't that significant. So that's something you have to evaluate anytime new hardware comes out. That's what you got right here on the table is the, our decoration is that i9 box, well, box it. Yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know. You still call it a box if it's a what do we say, twelve sided uh, yeah, display case? Do, do- dodecahedron. Yeah, there you go. yeah. dodecahedron. Yeah. It uh, you know that was a limited thing they did just for ninth generation, and it somewhat motivated me to buy that because it was a really did cool it just case for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they do. They they know. Don Watson. Well, you bought you bought it just based on the packaging. What? Yeah. Well, you you work in marketing. You know how yeah. important that is. Well, I didn't know it worked. <laughs> yeah. Start packaging but, our stuff in a nice cool box. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes a difference. But uh, you know. It, it does show that, though, a lot of people, because of cell phones, have fallen into this this pattern of saying, I need to upgrade every year, right? Apple pushes a new iPhone every year. Google pushes a new Pixel every year. They want you to upgrade your phone. But upgrading a laptop, a desktop, that's a pretty big expense. So you've, you've really got to make sure it's worth it before you dump that money. Or you just have to have a lot of money to waste and all the NFTs that you already need. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading an article yesterday when I was supposed to be working about um, the... <laughs> The Best latest iPhone, the price is up, but same chip, same camera set. So, you know, that same kind of thing of like, well, do I need to have the latest and greatest one? Yeah. No. Uh, you know, actually, so I, I normally do upgrade my phone every single year, and I normally rotate back and forth between Android and mm-hmm. iOS, so that way I, I, I keep up on both. Um, but this last year, I skipped updating. Uh, there's None of the phones had anything new, and I, I don't know if we can blame the pandemic or the chip shortage or what. But like last year's phones just weren't impressive. I'm hoping they do something big this year. What yeah. would they do? Like, what would you want to see? Faster. If you, if Orange you had juicer. Money. Yeah. Money is no object. The Dom Pizet phone is coming out. What do I see in this thing? It's uh, smaller. Expandable display. Have you seen some that would of those? Be cool, yeah. Where like it's phone size, but then you can kind of pull out. That's cool. Yeah. And, and uh, so you want a tablet? You can have a tablet when you need right. it. But most of the time, it's a phone form. I, I'm kind of with you. I've 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 had a larger phone for quite some time, and it is a little inconvenient to mm-hmm. like keep it in your pocket or whatever. Yeah, like your I, thumb can't make it all the way across anymore. So, I, I, and maybe you can do this with like just popping your SIM if you had multiple phones. I would I would like to have like a phone. That goes large, but I can pull out and have a smaller sized phone. Maybe go the idea of that. Yeah, folding. I, I mean, a folding like a screen. I don't really. Time, so maybe. I played with the folding phones. You didn't like it? it, it it's a gimmick. It was a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want an actual smaller phone. Well, that was the iPhone. You were excited phone. about that when it came out, the iPhone mini? Was so it? Th- that's what I have. That's yeah. what you have, yeah. right? Yeah. I have an iPhone 12 mini. Yeah. Uh, they released a 13 mini, but it wasn't it was a same. motivation yeah. update. And allegedly. Minier. More mini. Allegedly, with the 14, they're not doing a mini. Uh, yeah. That, so. They should do a uh, co brand thing with the minions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. The yellow. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that one, uh, the camera. The camera's the, one. Yeah. yeah. That'd be smart. Call it Steve. Like <laughs> <laughs> Banana. All right. Uh, let us move on to our next article, which now comes to us from windowscentral.com. Microsoft moves to new Windows development cycle with major release every three years. Features drop in between. And, and I'll just, uh, for a reminder, read the, the first line here. Uh, Microsoft is shifting to a new engineering schedule. Uh, 
after, uh, let's see, the news comes one year after they announced they were moving to a yearly release cadence. So the question <laughs> at this point is, why does Microsoft announce things? They are schizophrenic. Well, I, I can tell you exactly what happened here. And we we talked about this on the podcast, uh, but it's been a long time, so yeah. I, I don't blame you for not remembering. But when when Windows 11 was announced, there was a lot of marketing around it where they said this might be the last, the last version Windows. of Windows yeah. you ever buy. You remember, yeah. And and the idea was that if you're getting your updates via the cloud and they're releasing features all year long, that why would there ever need to be a Windows 12? Just Windows 11 keeps getting better and better year after year, and that's it. Well, at the time, I said that was stupid. Uh, well, for a few different reasons. But Let's when, roll the tape. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, people... People want to know they're running the latest one, and if it's been Windows 11 for 20 years, how do you know if you're fully updated or whatever? Like you don't. It's just the the number yeah. becomes meaningless at that point, right? So some other number would have to step in. But where I was really confused was Microsoft has to have a sales team and and marketing people that want to promote a product, and one of the best ways to do that is to release a new version of the product. If it's been Windows 11 for 10 years. It's pretty hard to sell people on the new features of Windows 11 when they know it's been out for 10 years, mm. e even though there might be cutting-edge new stuff in it. So we knew this change was going to happen. Like, from a business perspective, it had to happen. From a technical perspective, it didn't. But from a business side, it did. So so that's what they've done, and now they're on a three-year release cadence, which, uh, whether they change or not, all this really means to us is that Windows 12 will be coming out in 2024. So, you know, there will be a Windows 12, it will be in 2024, and that's what we can look forward to. Do you think they'll skip like 13 like they do in, in buildings? Because they skip nine, so there's a precedent already for skipping. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll skip 13. Okay. Uh, so skipping nine turned out to actually be a, a programming issue. Mm. So did, did, I don't remember if we ever I don't talked know, about I don't it, think did we? we did. So a lot of developers, uh, when Windows NT was out on Windows 2000, yeah. they wanted their application to know if it was running on Windows 95 or 98 or if it was running on 2000. Uh -huh. And so they would query the operating system name and if it started with Windows 9, they knew it was Windows 95 or Windows 98. So they but, couldn't technically. Okay. So they were worried about programs getting confused, so they skipped. Just nine. like Y2K. Yeah, yeah, it was just easier to skip it, right? Now, 13, the only reason for skipping that would be um, superstition, Yeah. right? Yeah. But apparently that's a very U.S. thing. So in mm. the U.S., 13 is a superstitious number. I don't believe that's the case even in other English-speaking countries. Do you know, Daniel? I have never heard of it being superstitious. It seems like a weird fact you would know. Yeah. yeah. Does, well, uh, the fact hand. that I've never heard it before makes me believe that that is true. Mm. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and make up something that it's a very lucky number in some <laughs> uh, Eastern cultures. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And I base that on nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be. So, so yeah, yeah, so we'll we'll look for that change. So does that mean that that time starts now? Uh, that yeah. we'll look three years from now, basically? Because we haven't had oh, a Windows release. No, it, it, it starts from, from the, the release one. of Windows 11. Okay. Yeah, so we're already a year in. And that's why 2024, you know, just two years away, that's when the next one will come out. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, I could not wait three years. But they are going to be doing feature releases at a, at a minimum, a feature release per year. But they're they're spreading them out. But there will be major releases every three and, years. And they've got, a, they've got a, a cute little name for these, like, in-between releases, right? What are they called? Uh, lately, they've uh, they used to have like Longhorn and whatever. Yeah, but, but now no, it's Sun like, Valley. No, no, not not the not for the major release, but for the little minor releases that come out like uh. between those times, like every year, they gave them a name. 
There's a name. So like the weather app that they're adding to it is, if you read the, it's in oh, the article. Oh, Moment. Moments. Yep, a moment, sorry. Yep. I want to say modules, but I knew that wasn't right. Yeah. Moment is, I, I don't think that's a name they're promoting as like, this is the moment update. Yeah. It's, it's more of like. A just, feature? It, no, I, I think it's like jargon, you know, like yeah. in agile methodology where you have epics and stories. Mm, so I they gotcha. have moments like that. Gotcha. I think that's just their project management jargon this one shining moment <laughs> oh god all right neil diamond <laughs> no, that's the song they play at the end of the uh march madness tournament every year oh uh, it's, a, it's a big deal it's a big deal here's the thing we're a bunch of tech nerds yeah no that's why right. i explained it yeah basketball is dumb mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you, if you like dumb things you're dumb right? any sport yeah. where you can watch the last two minutes and it's the same as watching the whole game yeah, yeah. That's true. fair. Yeah. yeah. Has anyone considered just starting, like, yeah. start a baseball game in the ninth inning? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, Call it a day. <laughs> Save a lot of time for That's people. Right. All right. What if they reset every inning? Like, yeah. People stop leaving early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to play nine innings and then only the ninth inning counts. It's funny because I've, I've always said that, you know, because you say, yeah, the last two minutes is most important. Why do people leave a game early? Just come late. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather get that? Idea. Yeah. So we'll, we'll miss the traffic on the front end. So my, my family was huge into football. Like mm-hmm. football was what we watched. Yeah. I liked it when I was a kid and then I got out of it because my dad. Anyway, uh, so I was <laughs> watching a football game with my brother and the, there was the Dolphins versus the Jets. And apparently the Dolphins can be like amazing team every year. But they go up against the Jets, and the Jets wipe the floor with them hmm. for whatever reason, right? And this year, the Dolphins were kicking the piss out of them. I mean, just it—it it was so bad that the people had left the stadium. The fourth oh. quarter was an empty stadium, just about. Let's see where this is going. And then the Jets came from behind and beat them and won the game. It was the most epic come from behind victory. Wow! And it's when they it don't let amazing. people back in the stadium. Yeah, it was yeah. flipping crazy. Yeah. That's so fun. yes, watch the last. Bit of the game. Why do you spend so much That's money on the these most tickets? Fun, right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on uh, because this is not a sports podcast. Well, we just, <laughs> I'm being told we lost half of our viewers. So <laughs> yep, two people left. Uh, all right. This next one comes to us from theregister.com. Unbreakable Oracle Linux 9 is a RHEL rebuild with built in BTRFS support. Is that, is that a boy band, BTRFS? <laughs> it could uh, be. K pop. Korean K pop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Red Hat dropped the file system in 7.4, but Big Red's own kernel has kept hold. What did that mean? What I said. <laughs> so I said a bunch of yeah. words. Yeah. There. I blacked um, out there. Yeah. <laughs> Is my so, nose bleeding? <laughs> last year, Red Hat kind of threw a wrench in a lot of people's plans when they shifted CentOS to CentOS Stream. We've talked about that, and yeah. uh, and we've seen some emerging alternatives pop out. Ian. Rocky, Alma. Yeah, look at look at that. Look You're at me killing it. Today. I, I had to, I had to jump in because I was like, I know these, and yeah, I yeah. didn't yeah. want you to say them. So, so hey, they're out there, and if you want a open source free alternative to RHEL, you can go and get Rocky or Alma right now. Well, Oracle for years has had their Unbreakable Linux, that's their distro, which has been based on RHEL. It's it's the equivalent of CentOS, right? They would basically rebuild RHEL uh, and market it internally. Now, Oracle... It, you're probably familiar with them, but if you're not familiar with Oracle, they have more money than anyone on the planet, like as far as technology companies come from. But they are a database company. They're, so. they're like old money. Yes. Like, like they've, yeah. they've been 
there they since are, like they're the Beauregards. Of- yeah, <laughs> but look, look at this Google. <laughs> I mean, they have so much money that yeah. I, they could make horrible decisions for a hundred years and still have a ton of money. Like yeah. that's the, <laughs> the, the level of money they have. Uh, yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> yeah. So could be but, argued they have. Yeah. But databases are how they make their money, and they do have other products like uh, Oracle VirtualBox. A lot of people use VirtualBox as free virtualization. That's owned by Oracle. Well. Unbreakable Linux is their distro, and they've been in a little bit of a limbo where people weren't quite sure what was going to happen now that CentOS was mutating into CentOS Stream. Well, it's been a while since that transaction happened and and since uh, uh, Red Hat 9 came out, but now, uh, several months behind everybody else, they have finally released Oracle Linux 9, their their new version of Unbreakable. So if you want to, to try it out and stick with the Oracle camp, you can. Now... For most people, it doesn't really matter because you've already got alternatives. They all basically look the same. And most people don't want to get in bed with Oracle anyway because everything they sell costs way too much. Uh, But there is one thing that this has that the others don't. Red Hat officially came out and said they are no longer supporting BTRFS. So uh, the the, the B-Tree file system, some people call it the butter file system or the better file system, depending on who you are. Um, But it's the B-Tree file system. And... Uh, a lot of people out there like that file system, but internally in Red Hat, they just didn't see a lot of support for it. They didn't have a developer to maintain it, and so they chose to discontinue it. So if you liked it, you were kind of relying on putting a hack together to get it in place, which is not something you want to do with your file system. Well, Oracle, on the other hand, does like BTRFS. And so that's something that's going to set their distro apart, is if you want to have a Red Hat-compatible distro and BTRFS support, this might be your best option. All right. I'm over here having an existential crisis. I don't even Which, know what to do. Where to go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think most people install Linux and don't even know what their file system is, so it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, I, I probably jumped in the game when EXT3 mm-hmm. was the major you know, file system, and then EXT4 kind of took over, and then RiserFS was kind of... Battling out it out there. for a oh, while. Yeah. Paul Reiser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Paul Reiser yeah. FS. <laughs> I, was, I was mad about that. I, man, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> He's in Stranger Things. He's in little, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's making a. And, like and I like his character in that. Uh, yeah. Dude. He, he was a villain his, at first. His uh, character in Aliens. Is probably the shadiest a hole. Like he did such a good job with that. I think the alien was worse. No, but. no I don't. <laughs> he stuck a kid yeah. in a room to be killed. You know, it's a good point. Right. The alien, the alien is just you. a xenomorph. Yeah, that part where animal. Paul Reiser comes out of that lady's stomach is nuts. He's like, "Why don't you go ahead and let's just kill you?" <laughs> so, uh, you know, I guess the the, the question somebody might have, the, the relevant question yeah. about the Paul Reiser one. Um, would be, you know, does anybody care about VTRFS, right? Well, I mean, for, uh, so I've talked with you just a little bit about this. Like, I, I, I'm probably in the camp where it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm not looking for, like, major crazy performances or, you know, the minute differences between the different file systems that would give me, you know, these advantages or these disadvantages or whatever. I install Linux. I use Linux. Linux is what I need, not the file system that's that's running it. Uh, and probably for a lot of people, that's the, that's the right way to go. But when it comes to someone who's doing sysadministration, that's probably a little more uh, uh, of a touchy subject. Something yeah. would be a better thing. And uh, Don, what would what would c- cross someone over the line to say I need to start caring about what file system I use? 
So on an individual machine, it usually doesn't matter. Right. Right. But if you are trying to do like an auto scale cluster, if you want synchronized storage between machines, if you're dealing with zettabytes of data, like that's when you really start to care about your file system and it really matters. And so BTRFS has features that support that as far as synchronized data across systems. If yeah. you're connected to a SAN, it's got all sorts of bells and whistles for that uh, that you don't find in EXT4 or, yeah. or whatever. Now there's alternatives like Red Hat. They've, they've put their effort behind Ceph, uh, C-E-P-H. So Ceph is the file system they do, uh, which is a distributed file system that gives you a lot of this as well. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's what they're pushing that, that they want. Uh, but other people are behind BTRFS. That's the one they want to use. Uh, have, have you used BTRFS uh, at all or in, with any kind of real usage? Uh, a little bit. You know, where where I see it in production. So in, in right. test environments, yes. Of yeah, course. of course. I've messed around with it. That but, doesn't really... Uh, but in production, you find that people tend to go ZFS instead. Yeah. Uh, ZFS has a lot of the same features as BTRFS. It just has a weird license. Hmm. But in a commercial product, that doesn't matter. So like if you buy a Synology SAN or a QNAP SAN or if you stand up a uh, open NAS box or whatever, almost all of those use ZFS. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, file systems. Yeah, you if know, you're working with a lot of data, that's when they become important for you. Sure. Uh, is any any IOPS or anything like that important when it comes to these different file systems that we need to be aware of? That's usually going to be more on the hardware side, but okay. there are some differences. You know, like uh, XFS. Yeah. Right. So if you install Red Hat today, it defaults to XFS. Uh, and XFS was originally designed. I got to remember my history here. Yeah. Um, they had a different name, and I can't remember the name, but it's it's who became Pixar. Huh. Uh, so it was a CGI or. Uh, what were they? they made those really badass workstations back in the uh, oh, mid nineties. Um, Silicon, Silicon graphics. There we machines, go. Yeah. Silicon graphics created XFS because they were dealing with these large video files and they needed a file system that could handle it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's where that came about. And what and, was that the Indigo? The Indigo yeah, machines. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey. hey. I remembered something. <laughs> oh, and, and if you ever lifted one, your back still hurts, right? I mean, those things were a yeah. ton. But yeah, they were cool looking though. So, you know, usually you just want to stick with your OS's default file system. Right. But if you have special needs, like the, each file system has different pros and cons. Oh, I have special needs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on now to our next article from securityweek.com. Lenovo patches UEFI code ex, uh, execution vulnerability affecting many laptops. And, and here's my question. In this, it says it, it affects more than 70 Lenovo laptops. Does that mean 70 individual laptops? Because yes, I feel like it. they could have just called it. Uh, or 70 right. models. I, I read that article the exact same. I was like, it seems like you're saying only 70 yeah. actual laptops. Like, rather than do an article, just pick up the phone right. and call. Not 70 models of laptops, yeah. but yeah. 70 laptops. So there were there were three CVEs on this one, and two of them did just affect a handful of machines that they okay. really could call. Yeah. Uh, but one of them affected 70 models. Uh, and so we're really talking, you know, potentially, I, I don't think they released numbers, but over 100,000 laptops. Yeah. Uh, and, and some of them are very common models. Uh, on a positive side, the vulnerability has been found. There's a patch for it. You can update it. On a negative side... it was a little, like, difficult to exploit, right? You had to have... Physical access. Physical access yeah. to the thing, yeah. Yep. So not all of these, you know, whenever we talk about a UEFI or a BIOS exploit or whatever, yeah. they, they always require physical access because right. it's usually gone read-only by the time the OS is booted. Um, 
but the damage they can do, right? Oh, yeah. Imagine getting malware installed in your machine, and you could format your machine, replace the hard drive, and you're still infected. Yeah, that would suck. Right? I mean, that, that's what they could do, so that's really bad. Uh, that's dug in like an Alabama tick. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't got time to bleed. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, the challenge here is, and I'll, I'll ask you guys, right? So, like, when's the last time you updated the firmware on your laptop? Where is that? Uh, <laughs> oh, I guess you know on a on a Mac it happens as part of the regular update. So you're you're actually pretty up to date on yours. That's, yeah, if I update. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the advantage of the the operating system and the hardware being from the uh, same vendor, right? So Apple right. just pushes that out, and I'll bet you're current. Um, so on my home laptop, probably as it comes out, like the Lenovo thing says, hey, you got a new firmware update? And I go, yeah, whatever, do it. Oh, you actually run the yeah. Lenovo software? I do, actually. <laughs> so I have found it to, you can shut off certain features that are not helpful and are kind of like a barking mm -hmm. dog or whatever, or just, you know, kind of in the way. But uh, having things like making sure that your firmware is updated and a couple other nannies that that are that can be helpful, I find useful, so I, I let it run. On my work laptop, I'm running Linux, so I don't get that, and probably fifth and never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess I'll be the jerk on this one because I made fun of you for running the Lenovo software. Um, but like on my computer at home, I have an Asus motherboard. Ah. And I don't run the Asus software. Yeah. And I haven't updated the firmware since I bought it. Since I built the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm horribly out of date. And so if somebody physically got access to that system, they could potentially, potentially. exploit this, put in malware, and I wouldn't even know it was there. I love the concept now of an article. It's just uh, that talks about a CVE that affects just Don's computer. Yeah, <laughs> like it literally affects one user. Yeah. His name is Don. His name is Don. Here's, Here's his invoice. Yeah. <laughs> well, now let me let me give you the worst case scenario on this, right? Because if somebody has physical access to my computer, well, you it, got bigger problems. Yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> Your right? family's hostage. But at like this point. your Mac has File Vault, Windows has BitLocker, Linux has Lux. Your drive is probably encrypted, right? So if somebody boots it up, they got to log in. Yeah. can't get at the data, right? Or if they rip the hard drive out, it's encrypted, they can't get at the data. But if they can use a UEFI exploit to put some kind of malware payload in place, then the next time I boot the computer and I log in, now the system's unlocked. And they don't need physical access at that right. point. And it's unlocked, so they can yeah. get at the data that's on there. So this would allow them to potentially bypass in those scenarios and get at the data that would normally be protected. Interesting. All right, well, let's take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to go and watch uh, an episode of My Two Dads, and uh, we will come back with more Technado with Don Pizet right after this. So you've tried online IT training, but it's boring, out of date, and pricey. Well, IT Pro TV is always engaging, always fresh, and plans start at just $29 a month. It's online IT training that doesn't suck. Start today at ITPro.TV. I've been in the career education business since 2000. I wanted to get into computers, and I would kind of been doing it as a hobby for a few years at that point. But what we found when we were running the career school was about one out of every hundred people that we talked to might enroll. You had books and you had official courses, but if you had a question, you had nobody you could go to. Nobody. But what could we do for the other 99? There's 99 people out of 100 who can't afford it. Once I was A-plus certified, it was easy to find jobs. There were lots of jobs that had that as a requirement. One day I came to Don and I said, I've got an idea. What if we could remove the obstacles for people? We said, how do we create a product that is valuable to people? Reduce cost and make it fun. 
I want to make resources available to people that they can learn about IT. Having an option that you can attend anytime. Learn about certifications, get certified. On demand. And get into the job they want. Where every day there is new content being produced. When something new comes out, we record that content. It's the best of the classroom experience delivered conveniently online. A library of IT knowledge that's waiting for you. Hello, thank you for watching IT Pro TV, helping you learn everywhere you go. We started IT Pro TV to create the training that we wanted, that we wish that we would have had. The style and approach that we felt would truly help people learn IT and succeed. That's what I want to do. I want to make life easier for people who want an IT career. All right, welcome back to Technado with Don Pizzette. Don Pizzette, who did not remember that Paul Reiser was in My Two Dads. <laughs> they had to explain the joke to me <laughs> yeah. in the break. He's like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, yeah. It's probably many of you at home going, what the hell is he talking about? Like, what's a Paul Reiser? <laughs> yeah, what's a Paul Reiser? <laughs> yeah. That's what you stand on at yeah. uh, the stage. A guy named Paul makes them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, uh, we've got a couple more articles to get to. And this one, uh, somebody's dumb, so it is our dough segment. All right, this comes to us from ArsTechnica.com. Ongoing phishing campaign can hack you even when you're protected by MFA. And I was under the impression that that was the point. <laughs> uh, how do they get around that? Because, you know, we're talking about physical access to a device or, or biometric or something like that. So how do, how do we do that? that? That's kind of the dough part on this, right? Because remember... Uh, remember the old days when logging in was simple. You had like a six-character password, <laughs> and, and you know you just punched in your username and your password, and you logged in, and that was it. Uh, and things have gotten more complex over the years, right? That's on, but you got to use that password everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, password everywhere. Reuse. You said one password. And now we move to today where you have unique passwords everywhere. You're probably using a password manager like LastPass or KeePass or something like that. Uh, and you go an extra step of MFA, multi-factor. So now when you log in, you put in your username, you put in your password and some other credential. Like we've made logging in harder. I'm not saying that's bad. We need it, right? Yeah. But to go through all that effort and not assume the attackers are going to find a way around that is pretty naive. And so now we're starting to see some of these attacks that are coming out. Uh, these have been theoretical, but this particular attack, Microsoft has reported on it, has been going on since September of last year. So this has affected over 10,000 organizations, hit a lot of people, and it shows how while MFA is a great step, it's not perfect. And the way this attack works is pretty interesting because it starts with a phishing email. Um, they said the don't they all yeah don't all the good attacks start with a phishing email they said the main way this one starts is an email with an html attachment which in my opinion like you shouldn't be allowed to do that anyway yeah. but uh, uh so it starts an email with an html attachment somebody opens it uh and basically it takes them to a page like a login page for a microsoft service or something where it looks like the official page and daniel you you've shown me like it was super easy to clone a login but wasn't there a utility you had yeah, that did that yeah that's the se toolkit will uh will do that for a lot of good stuff, it, it's fairly simple to employ. You say, hey, this is the website I want to clone. It goes, cool. And then you go to, you know, it opens a port and says, hey, this is where the port is and everything. And then you you browse to that. And there's that login page, but it's a like a credential harvester. So yeah. if I type in my username and password, actually grabs all that, sends it back to my server, and logs it, and then forwards you on to the actual thing you're so trying you to So you never into. know at that point you don't that see you were anything. Hacked. Yeah. Okay. 
Yep, and that's exactly how this attack has been working, is they basically sit as a proxy in between you and the real service. You punch in your credentials, they send it to the real service, get the response back, send it to you. And then when you do your MFA token, you enter in that code, they're forwarding that to the real service. And when it comes back with the session cookie or whatever the session token is that authenticates you, they've got a copy of it. And they either let you in or they just tell you your credentials were wrong, right? Invalid so, code. So yeah. does this only work if your MFA is an email? Where you get no. a, an email? No, code? this, this is, work as long anything. as they've got like a man in the middle attack happening, like where they're able to get you to go to a fake website yeah. that you try to log into. Now they're able to proxy that on to the actual site. Yeah. The site returns, hey, uh, you also have MFA. Here's, here's the MFA. You The site, then the proxy then passes that on to the end user. Yeah. The end user fills in the MFA information, oh, okay. sends oh, it so back. So you're through putting the proxy. in your MFA code once, right. for the hacker. Once that all that process is complete and the MFA has been returned, the actual site returns you like a cookie with a session in it. And gotcha. that session says, you are now validated. And the the proxying attacker can now can say, well, I can either forward that on to you and let you like dance it in on the action, or I can throw double birds up at you and just tell you your creds were bad. And then real quick, and turn off MFA you try it now again. that I'm in. And right, now yeah, I'm yeah. in. I do whatever I want. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's, uh, it's, it's not exactly a new idea. We've talked about this for a while, but this one is in widespread use. So this is hitting thousands of people every single day. So this is, is out there, very, very prevalent. So that's why we need to be on the lookout for it. Now, the challenge, as I see it, and, and this one's going to be for you, Daniel, is you know, as somebody who, who works in IT, who, who works in a company where you've got to support end users, uh, how, how do you coach end users not to fall for this? Like, how, how can you... Like if if your mom called you today and said, Daniel, how do I not get hit by this? Like what, what's the advice you give to somebody? So I always start off with do not open attachments and do not click links. Like I don't give a dang if it shows you the entire – it's not like a little bitly or whatever. Obviously, those are super sketch. Yeah. But if it's a full-on – because they use like typo squatting and all these other little techniques to make them look legitimate. So even if you see what looks like a valid link – do not click on that. If you need to do something with your email account, go log in, like open your browser, type in outlook.com, whatever, and log in normally, because then you know you went to the right spot. The, the, the chances of them having like done some sort of injection attack where they've taken over your DNS records and stuff like that, that's not impossible, but it's much less likely than if you click on a link, you have no control over whether or not that that's going somewhere bad. So I say, do not click links. If you get an email from somebody that's a legitimate provider and they tell you we need you to log in, then you open your browser and you go to that provider and you log in normally. The same rule right. of like, don't don't give your credit card number to someone that calls you. Correct. Say, okay, I'll call you back. Correct. Because I know so that I'm talking. A, a, that is where it begins is just do not trust anything that comes in through your email uh, I had I actually got an email from one of our newer employees. I wasn't really familiar with her. And it said, click on this link and fill this out. And I, I sent her a Teams message and said, hey, did you send me this? Yeah. Right? And she said, yes, I did. I said, okay, thank you. Like, too bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you always just zero trust, right? It's yeah. just all, never trust, always verify, and and and, and start there. The uh, I had another thing that I was going to go with. I kind of got down the rabbit hole of just don't trust the dang thing anybody <laughs> ever tells you when it comes to an email or a message or a text message or whatever. It's a good start. But yeah, I mean, right there, that's going to eliminate a lot of your problems just by not trusting those things that come through. And then just trying to verify anybody that if that is a link that you think that you do need to to click on, 
Just verify that. Just call, send them a message. Hey, call their support and go, hey, I got this. Is this something that's legit? Because then you're going to have less likely a problem when it comes to that. So that's, that's the one of the bigger ways that you can go with it. Don, I'm sure you got one as well. Yeah. Well, you know, the the advice we used to give people was to look at the URL yeah. and, and see, you know, is it typo squatting or whatever. Uh, Microsoft actually released some screenshots, though, and the domain that was being used in this particular attack was login.mcrsftsvm-app.digital. All right. Well, you might look at that and see like this. It looks like an abbreviated Microsoft SVM service manager or something. I I don't know. Uh, But you could look at that and think, all right, well, maybe that's Microsoft. But it's not. You know, it's this Microsoft dash app dot digital. I didn't even know dot digital was a TLD, but apparently it's one of those custom ones. So, uh, you know, we can't just look at the URLs anymore. Well, CDNs kind of hide things as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they've they've all got the lock, right? So they're all using TLS or SSL. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just do not trust these things um, because a lot of times this is where it all starts. This is a phishing campaign that says this looks good. Yep. I would rather lose all my data than live in a world where I can't trust people, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you better start oh, putting I it have, out. Yeah, I it have lost gone. it all yeah, just now. Yeah. It's gone. Well, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> I take that back. All right. Well, uh, interesting one um, to watch for. And like, as you said, you know, MFA is great, not perfect. Um, well, and, that's why and then we the other thing to... is, is this isn't like valid for things like um, your YubiKeys, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's using a different form of two-factor, right? This well, is in the same way, right? It would still work. So like my YubiKey. Yeah, but you're not like putting in a six-digit code with a YubiKey, right? But, but you're still getting you a session are, like, ID like back. Oh, I, are you? If I plug my YubiKey in. I thought you just like knew it was there. and uh, So it, I'll have to show you this later. Yeah. If I open up Notepad, right, or, or Write, or some some text editor, yeah, yeah. and I stick the YubiKey in and I tap the button, yeah. it outputs a big string of characters. Oh, does right? it really? So it acts like a keyboard. That, oh, that's why it doesn't need any drivers. It just shows up as a keyboard. Gotcha. Uh, in fact, the the security software I run on my computer at home sees it as a third party. It's like, whoop, uh, third party keyboard. You know, not trust it. Right, I right, have right. To, to whitelist it um, or allow list it. Sorry. Yes. Uh, but once you once you've got it, it is just exporting a, a huge string of characters. I think it might be 128 characters or something. So if I go to a website and I'm authenticating with my YubiKey, it's just sending that code, and somebody could intercept that. Does that code gotcha. change each time? Yes, every time okay. you touch it. Gotcha. Yep. Interesting. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. As long, yes, I guess as long as there is like a return, a send and a return, and someone's able to man in the middle of that. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You should be good to go. Yeah. Well, which makes me feel better that people aren't going to just steal my retina. Anyway. <laughs> like they're like, you know, there's an easier, cleaner way to do this where we don't have to take your eyes. That's, that's plan B. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 No, yeah it's the backup. <laughs> yeah, don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. So this is going to hurt. But that, but that really only works once before, you know, that starts decomposing. No, no, it can work yeah. twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. As long as no one finds the body. <laughs> my last one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our last article of the day, which is Behind Bars. Break the law and you'll go to jail. All right, this comes to us from the BBC.com. Joshua Schulte, Schult, 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 Charles Schultz, I don't know. Uh, former <laughs> CIA <laughs> hacker convicted of brazen data leak. Uh, and this is a guy that, uh, yeah, hacked a bunch of stuff and gave it to WikiLeaks. So, uh, before we get into some of the specifics, Don, where would you put him uh, worse or better than Snowden? Kind of um, along the same lines. Isn't it? About the same? I mean, well, it sounds like it's very similar in terms of 
yeah, you know, took things from CIA. It is, WikiLeaks. it is similar. I think that uh, got caught. They're different. I, I I don't like either of them. So sure. I guess I should start off with that. But um, with Snowden, you know, he. He released some tools, but that wasn't his primary goal. He released a whole trove of data. He wanted to show some of the injustices that were happening in government, right? So mm-hmm. he had kind of a a, a a movement, a goal, a plan. He's a bit like of an activist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had, had something he was working towards. Uh, this guy. He just took, uh, I think it was 8,000 documents or something. So there, there were a bunch of documents, yeah. but mainly it was the tools that he was leaking out to WikiLeaks to you know just get it out there. Like right. he, he didn't have right. all— there was no, Like what was the point of like saying, here's the hacking tools the NSA is using? Well, it's not like we don't know they're using hacking tools. We're saying tools. Snowden was more like, right? hey, they're doing this, and they're not telling you, and right. they're saying, no, we're not, and him saying, yeah, you are, I can right. prove he, it. He yeah. was trying to expose the fact that he was almost—he thought of himself as like a whistleblower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yes. Whereas this guy was just like, hey, here's some awesome tools we use. And <laughs> it wasn't for money in either case. And with Snowden, he yeah. came out and said, like, I did this. You know, yeah. he, he took credit for that. And, and this guy claims, unlike, like, he, he is not taking credit for this. Right. He is saying, I did not do this. There's hundreds of people that could have done this, yep. not just me. So it's, it's very different cases, okay. but in, in both cases, they leaked sensitive data. They both had top secret clearance within the government, you know, the highest level of clearance that they could get as civilians, and they took data that they were responsible for protecting and released it without authorization. So they're, they're both criminals, right? Uh, but it's kind of from a different yeah. place on both of them. Um, and it, it's a little bit cheating on this one, I guess, because he, he's been behind bars since 2018. So he's, he's already been in jail for several While years. While he was waiting trial. Uh, right. Now, normally— uh, He's been going through trial as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And he had one hung jury already. Yep. Oh, that and must have hurt. Normally in the U.S. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought you. Okay, <laughs> I misunderstood. I was like, they should get him for that. What's that movie James Franco was in where he got hung like a few times, but he always oh, survived? Yeah. That's the meme now. Where he's like, oh, first time, yeah, first time. Yeah. <laughs> Guys oh, cry. Yeah, that one is an old West thing. Yeah, it yeah. was funny. <laughs> well, uh, normally it's innocent until proven guilty, right? right? And and maybe maybe this guy didn't do it. Like maybe right. he's he's denying it because it it wasn't him, right? right. Uh, and normally I'd, I'd, I'd give him that chance and let's right. wait and see what happens. But yes, until proven guilty, right. But he is representing guilty. himself in court. Is he really? Yes. He is. He's doing his own defense. And well, say, you know what they say about a person that represents themselves? They have a fool for a client. That is true. So I've heard that same saying. Yeah. You and I have not talked about that before the show. No, we did not. Uh, years and years ago, I, I worked for attorneys and Don and represented that was, himself. <laughs> that was a common thing. <laughs> like you never represent yourself. So that alone either makes me think that he's unstable or guilty. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say it would make him guilty, but unstable, we could go, we could <laughs> definitely like. Uh, take that down the road and see where yeah. it lands. Well, just just to add to it, he also faces a separate trial on charges of possessing images and videos of child abuse, uh, to which he's pleaded not guilty. Which right. I will say, let's say you are being framed, throw in some, you know, that's a great way to like, like that smear computers. somebody. Yeah, yeah really. because yeah. right, he has not been convicted of any kind of child, yeah. right, CP or whatever you want to say. Yeah. You know, keep it chicken p- plates. <laughs> I don't think anybody says that. Uh, <laughs> well, people like to like obfuscate because you use the word child's pornography and uh, YouTube goes, this is not for kids. Well, then why'd you use it? Well, you did first. Uh, I could have edited that. I, well, you uh, already <laughs> popped the lid off of it. So. <laughs> already opened Pandora's box. Yeah. Uh, wasn't it Egypt where the they, they had their law enforcement was breaking into um, 
uh, journalist phones yeah. and placing evidence so that they could Ooh. then go and seize the phone to get other information yeah. that was on them, right? Well, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, was it Egypt, I, Saudi Arabia or somewhere? Or maybe the, the CIA. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So it's, well, I, I, for a fact that like a lot of like ex-CIA agents or people that are, uh, you know, connected yeah. in the intelligence agencies in, in the United States, they go work for these third-party companies in other countries, helping them do that very thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, here, here's the thing we weren't allowed to do it at our yeah. place because of yeah. you know, law. Technically, you're not allowed to do it there either. Yeah. They just do. Yeah, they, they don't <laughs> well, mind and since much. they're not a part of that that um, country, they're a third-party entity, Yeah, they do it, and then they just leave, mm. right? And the country gets to blame. Well, we just had all this information showed up on our doorstep one day like a baby in a basket. What were we supposed to do? We looked at it, and we realized you're a criminal. You're going to jail. <laughs> on one hand, I was going to say, what's wrong with the CIA's vetting process? But I guess two of these situations in well, didn't, 15 years, not not that bad. Well, what's we'll kind of weird? Also, you were talking about the the CP, right? The, yeah. Like, if, correct me if I'm wrong. You were. The the CIA had kind of come out kind of saying, well, you know, we have these uh, minor attracted persons and that that's not a problem. And like there was some like why Oh, I don't some, remember that. Oh yeah, bro. That doesn't seem like it would go over very <laughs> no. well. It, it, I was like, what's happening here? Yeah, look at look, yeah, that's a that's next week. Well, that's so here's a, the problem, Daniel. I can't Google for that. Yeah. There's no way I can find right. out whether that's it's the true. best so way to hide saying? is yeah. you can't go fact check it <laughs> without looking like a weirdo. Like minor attracted person. No, I'm not, do, I'm not like typing it. There was like the time that Justin got me to type bestiality to see how it's spelled. <laughs> oh, because we were t- arguing. I'm like, is arguing. it really? Oh, damn it. Because it's pronounced bestiality. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then you Google it, and you're like, you're a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> There's a knock on my door. <laughs> yeah. And then the Google say. algorithm remembers. Yeah. <laughs> like, you might also yeah. like. No, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> my target ads are so bad. Why am I seeing saddles everywhere? <laughs> yeah. All right. Don't uh, even get Don talking about when he was looking up red vests. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that the vests. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a funny story because it was. Uh, um, for the groomsmen at my wedding, so this was a long time okay. ago. Yeah. Uh, you seen the movie The Warriors? Yeah. All right. So, you know, they had the leather vests mm-hmm. with the Warriors logo on the back. So I, I got embroidered <laughs> patches for the Warriors yeah. and I needed to buy brown leather vests. Yeah. I thought they were and, red. Uh, like a red brown. Brown, like brown, a red. brown yeah, red. yeah. Yeah. Whatever that co- burnt sienna. Rust, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that color is. So, um, so I go online and I'm looking for leather vests, not. In, in my head, I'm thinking mm. like, you know, the street gang, the yeah. Warriors, uh, not thinking of all the various demographics that wear leather vests. Mm-hmm. and uh, Like as a standard. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's like the movie Dodgeball when they got their uniforms at first and they were the, like all the S&M gear. <laughs> oh, right. They got, <laughs> right. The, they got the wrong package. I, I think probably Don ran into a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, the, the it's a crazy is, world out but there. But Don didn't yeah. have to order it. No. <laughs> but he did. Yeah. Those wedding photos aren't great. I like how Google thought. Leather? And you wear it? Oh, I know where you're going. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. You want the zipper mouth, thing, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Got it. Ball gags are two for one. Fetch me the gift. All right. This is taking a horrible turn. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. All right. Uh, switching gears. Uh, we've got a webinar coming up uh, where we won't talk about any of this stuff, uh, but uh, it is all things cybersecurity. It's happening today on Thursday, July 21st. Uh, it is with Heath Adams. Heath is a uh, is a YouTuber, right? Super cool guy as well. Yeah. And yeah, he's uh, head of TCM Security, CEO of that, and uh, doing great things for the certification community in cybersecurity. So yep. like what they're doing there, we uh, hang out with him and chat a little bit. 
Just pick his brain. That is at 2 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, you can check that out. Uh, head over to itpro.tv slash webinars. And don't worry if you've missed it after the fact. We're going to archive that. That'll be up uh, next week, so you can check that out. Uh, we'll also, we've got another one, uh, All Things Cybersecurity, coming up with Ben Fink, right, in, in yes, August? Yes, yep. Cool. And, and Don, correct me if I'm wrong. You've got a, a webinar coming up soon about... Uh, how to get into IT? Yes. Like yeah, I, I don't know the date. It's still a little ways off. Uh, yeah, I know that yeah. that's in early August, but yeah, it's uh, early August. not sure the date on that one as well. But yeah, you can find all that at itpro.tv slash webinars. So be sure to do that. And then uh, head over to it or technado.com. Yeah. Or technado.do yeah. <laughs> or all, all those things or technado.digital. Was that the, the new top level domain we learned about today? Uh, we did digital. get uh, yeah, not digital, right? Not digital. Oh, never mind. Just yeah. you know, inappropriate Don't. joke. Hold that one back. Save, yeah, save, that, one for, yeah, save that one for the after show. That's right. Uh, but uh, head over to technator.com and yeah, uh, we can start hiding some stuff behind a paywall. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and you can uh, check out all about the show, but you can also click the big orange button that says sponsored by IT Pro TV, and you can get a coupon code for 30% off of your personal membership. And uh, uh, you can you know find out the great features available to teams uh, from IT Pro TV as well if you uh, are part of a group and want to find out all that great stuff. So yeah, head over there to technado.com and check that out. All right, good to be back in the studio. It's just better when we we have the we can interact better together. Right, that was uh, one of the Microsoft so, updates. Was one that one code of those names? Yeah, better together. One of the moments, Microsoft <laughs> yeah. moments. Like. <laughs> That is a weird terminology to me. Oh, it is. Microsoft. I don't like it. All We're right, having thank a moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. Uh, senior moment for me. And uh, thank you all for watching. We'll see you next week right here on Tech Night with Tom Pizzette.